Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. We thank you so much for the privilege of being able to call you Father. And in the spirit of sonship today, we cry out to you, Abba, Father. We are your children, and we desire to, to walk with you and to know your love. Lord, I pray that today will be a great day for fathers and grandfathers, that it will be a day of celebration and fun and laughter and happy memories, and that new memories <clears throat> may be built today. But Father, I also am aware that for some, that today is a difficult day. And I pray that in the midst of individual pain, that there will be a continual reminder that you go beyond our circumstances, beyond our own issues, and that your love is readily available to us today. Hallelujah. We pray that you would now illumine for us your holy face, and that we would listen to you with open eyes, ears, and hearts, that we would receive your truth, and that your very character would enter into us as we behold your majesty, your faithfulness, your kindness, your grace, your mercy, and your love. And we pray that we will just rest in the strong embrace of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. We make our prayer through your only Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forevermore. Amen. Well, I'm delighted to be back after uh, being away two weeks. Uh, maybe by the looks of my tan, you were beginning to wonder whether I was really studying or not. I really was. Uh, in God's gracious providence, he allowed uh, our class to be canceled on Friday. The professor had to get back early, and so it allowed me to sit in the Arizona sun all day. And it was 112 degrees on Friday when I was there. I sat by the pool, and I'd sit in the sun for 10 minutes, and then I'd jump into the pool. The pavement was so hot you couldn't walk out of your ran to the pool. But it was a lovely day. It was nice visiting Arizona. I would not want to live there, maybe in February and March, but certainly not in June, July, and August. Had two wonderful weeks of study, and uh, I'm glad to be bringing the final coursework uh, near a conclusion as I begin to prepare uh, writing my doctoral dissertation. It's been a blessing to be a part of this program, and I appreciate the leadership of the church giving me the time away and the opportunity to, to pick up these additional studies. I appreciate also Pastor Keith and the youth, and Pastor Ben Stefano, who uh, shared from the pulpit uh, over these last two Sundays, and know that you were blessed, and I hope that you'll take the opportunity to jot them a note thanking them for their ministry over the last two weeks. Today I want to, to use as my text the psalm that we read a few moments ago together, Psalm 91. In fact, I would encourage you to open your Bible again and, and turn there, opening uh, your copy of the Scriptures to Psalm 91. And I'd like to read the first four verses again because this becomes the immediate text upon which I, I share with you the message that God has put on my heart on this Father's Day. Psalm 91, I'm going to begin reading again at verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. 
He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Psalm 91 to me is, is about that distinctive role of our Heavenly Father. And I believe that it's a perfect song for a day like this in which we celebrate uh, the men and fathers and grandfathers in our lives. The psalmist declares in a very simple truth with wonderful word pictures and imagery that God is a refuge for his children in times of danger and distress. Now, as we read in the Joshua passage also this morning, as Greg read it, uh, it might have sounded foreign to our ears, uh, but it's an important concept that I want to introduce you to this morning if you're not familiar with it. Here's what was happening in Joshua as uh, the reading uh, we had this morning in Joshua chapter uh, 20. In certain parts of the ancient Middle East, where populations were spread out, societies weren't well organized. And, and judicial systems weren't well organized. In fact, they were spread out far and few between. And law and order was kept by a form of aggressive vigilante justice, a sort of tribal crime and punishment. And, and the way it worked was this, that if someone in your family lost his or her life at the hands of another person, your family would call a tribal meeting and you would discuss the situation about this homicide together and then you would appoint someone from your family who became known as the Avenger of Blood or the Blood Avenger. And this person whom you elected in your tribe or clan, this person would become the representative of the family whose job it was to track the murderer down, to track him down, and kill the person who killed your family member. That was the single objective of the Avenger of Blood. And once the killer had been killed by the Avenger of Blood, then the tribe, the clan, would have a huge celebration, and they would celebrate for days and weeks that justice had been served. However, as in many forms of justice, a problem arose in this whole system of the blood avenger in the middle of this cultural phenomenon. Because there was no provision in this system for accidental homicides or unintentional deaths. And so God, in the midst of this cultural problem, provided a solution. And we read about that solution in the Old, Old Testament books of Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Joshua. And we see God step into the situation and provide a, an answer to this dilemma where there were unintentional, uh, unintentional or accidental deaths. And so God addresses the problem by establishing what were known as cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And in Joshua chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, the passage that Greg read a few moments ago, uh, there's the de designation of these cities of refuge. It says, to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, 
so that anyone who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there to the city of refuge and find protection from whom? The avenger of blood. So these cities of refuge, and there were six in all, were set up by God, instructed to Moses, and Joshua was carrying this out, had set up these six cities, and Greg read all those difficult biblical names about where those, those cities were. Now what happened was this. They were spread out over the, the, the land of Palestine, and if a person committed an unintentional homicide, he or she would take off running immediately. And they knew where these cities of refuge were, and so they would run because there were signposts along the way, pointing the way to the city of refuge. And so if a murder or a homicide, unintentionally so, uh, took place, the, the killer would run to one of these cities of refuge. And if the offender got to the city of refuge before the blood of Avenger, who was on their tail, tracked them down, they could gain entrance to the city gates, and they were safe. They were safe, completely safe, in the city of refuge. And after a time, a trial would be held, and if the person were innocent, he or she would go free. If the person were guilty, the blood avenger would be given permission to do his thing as a representative of the clan. But look at what God provided in the middle of the situation. He provided a place to run to. He provided a shelter, a hiding place, till a fair trial could be had. And what did God name these six cities? He called them cities of refuge. The idea for these hiding places, these shelters, flows, I think, out of the very heart of God's character. God is a refuge. These cities of refuge have bound up in them the nature and character of God to provide for safety and refuge to people who feel oppressed, to people who feel hunted down. It is in the heart of God, I think, to provide safety and refuge to people who are running fast but who are wearing down. It is in the heart of God to provide safety and refuge for people who are hearing footsteps tracking them down who desperately need a hiding place. And my question to us this morning is, are there those amongst us in our midst who are on the run, who are hearing unfriendly footsteps chasing them down? Are you here this morning and do you feel that there are circumstances that are pressing in on you? Are you under enormous stress right now? Some of you may be here this morning and you, you might feel like you're being tracked down by a blood avenger as if some unfriendly people or forces that are in your life that you just can't seem to get away from. You keep running and running and running but you can't run fast enough because it seems like they're hot on your tail. And I'm sure that if I asked, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I asked for a show of hands, how many of you came here this morning thinking that the greatest gift that you could receive would be a temporary hiding place, a secure and safe place for just a short period of time? I'm wondering how many hands would go up and say, yes, Pastor, 
that's exactly where I'm at today. You see, you need to understand that God is providing refuge for his children. He delights in that role as our Heavenly Father. It's one of those things that as we look at, the, at God and His character that we as fathers should, should emulate, that we should copy, that we should, we should imitate as a, an earthly father, that we should be that kind of refuge for our children and our grandchildren. God is a refuge providing God and He delights in that role. And He only asks of us that we would avail ourselves, that we would, we would take advantage of the opportunity of the refuge that he provides to us. The psalmist declares in verse 2 of this psalm that he, God, is my refuge and my fortress. That he's this temporary shelter from the harsh forces and realities that are pressing in on some of our lives today. And God is pleased. He wants to. He's just waiting to provide this protected environment in which you and I can rest and catch our breath and can recuperate temporarily. A secure place from which we can make our next move. I think one of the most beautiful word pictures here, actually in Psalm 91, uh, relates more to a mother than it does a father. In Psalm 91 and verse 4, we have this word picture that God will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. God is a refuge providing God and the psalmist declares this truth. He says he's going to cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. What a word picture that is. I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen uh, a little brood of chicks. Now that I live in the country, I've been talking about getting some chickens. <laughs> Kathy thinks I'm absolutely nuts, but Justin's on my side and we're doing research on chickens. Uh, when I was a boy, I remember going to my grandparents' farm and the chicken coop. And I remember, uh, even worse, my, my grandfather killing the chickens and wringing their, taking them and swinging them around and wringing their neck and then chopping their head off. And, Seeing them kind of flat all over the <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If not, Google Wikipedia and look chicken killing. I'm sure you can get a picture. There's a picture of a brood of chicks here, hopping around, chirping and peeping and pecking and doing all that little chick stuff. And all of a sudden, in the presence of danger, what does the mother hen do? The mother hen lifts her wing. And she invites, there's an invitation there, she invites her little chicks to come under the protection of the wings. And those little chicks, just it's innate in them. In just a few seconds, all the baby chicks disappear under the mother's wing. They hide there. They're sheltered there as the mother brings her wings down over those babies. And what do they do there? They regroup. They find strength. They find courage in the midst of their fear. The chicks are under the mother's wings and they say to each other in the darkness, 
Did you see the size of the teeth in that wolf? But it doesn't matter. Why? Because the chicks are under the mother's wings for that time. Now eventually they have to crawl out and face the real world. They can't, they can't live under the mother's wing. But for a time there's nothing quite like the safety and security that the chicks experience while being under the mother's wing. And that's the word picture that we have there. He will, God, will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. You see, it is at the very heart and core of God's nature to provide refuge. It is his character and essence to provide for you and me as his children a hiding place where under his mighty wings. And just as God had provided cities of refuge for those who were running from the avengers of blood, I want to tell you, saints, that God delights in spreading his wings. If you could get the picture of this this morning, that even as we worship here this morning, that God is spreading his wings and he's inviting all who are on the run, all who are being pressed in by life's circumstances, all who are dealing with grief and pain and loss, he's spreading his wings today. And God is saying, won't you find refuge? Hide here for a time. Get out of the danger for a time. Take time to regroup. Take time to rest. Renew your strength. And then when the time is right, when our strength reserves have been renewed, when our souls have been restored, when we've filled up with courage to face the things that we're dealing with, then God lifts His wings. And we venture back out into the world a little calmer, a little stronger, a little more secure. Some of you feel that way when you come here on Sunday mornings. One of the names we have for this room is what? Sanctuary. This is a sanctuary. It's a place of safety. It's a place of rest. Some of you have come here this morning with anxious hearts. I couldn't help but think about that when Andrew was singing his song and, and know because I've been praying for some who've gone through tremendous loss in recent months. Some of you come here with difficult situations. But God is providing a refuge. And by some mystical provision that God provides in this sanctuary, you are able to walk out of here in a few minutes a little less anxiety. You're able to walk out of here with a little more peace than you had when you came in the doors. You're able to walk out of here renewed and, and regrouped and gaining courage to face the circumstances that you know you may have to face tomorrow morning when you go into the marketplace. You've come overwhelmed by the pressure in your life. 
But after an hour and 15 minutes of opening up your heart and worshiping God, it seems that through his gracious provision, that God gives you a new perspective. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Give me eyes. How, how do we get that new vision? We do it exactly the way the worship team led us in the scene today. We turn our eyes off of our circumstances and we turn our eyes upward to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great truths that I spent a whole week of my study um, in the last two weeks looking at was the fact that Jesus as the risen and the ascended Lord is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's not dead in a tomb somewhere. And he's not just resurrected from the dead and then kind of off. You know, we, we kind of think and talk about Jesus as, oh yes, he, 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 he's risen from the dead, but we forget that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is the ascended Lord. And when you come to faith, in Jesus Christ, you are united with Christ. In his death and in his resurrection and in his ascension, you are united with him. And the same power that was in Jesus, that same power, if you're united to him, that same power is yours today, if you're in union with Christ. That's going to be the power of Wednesday night's services at McCoy Pond when those baptismal candidates are dunked into the water. Dying to self and then they're hopefully being brought up out of the waters with a gasp of air being born, being united into Christ. Do you really believe don't answer this except in your heart. Do you really believe that Jesus is risen and ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father in majesty and power and interceding for you? Don't answer it. If you do believe that, it should change the way you look at the circumstances of living. If we really believe that there's power in the name of Jesus, it, and if we believe that we are united to Him through some mystery of the Holy Spirit, we are in union with Christ, I believe that it gives us a whole new perspective and vision of what life can be in Christ. This is why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I, yet not I, live, for it is Christ who lives within me. I am crucified with Christ. By some mystical provision God provides, we are able to walk out of this place with less anxiety, more peace, able to face the circumstances that are as individual as there are numbers of people in this room this morning. Who needs a refuge this morning? If you need to ask that question, then you probably have no need of one. See, cities of refuge didn't mean much to the average person walking on the streets in the Old Testament period. But to the person who was on the run and had a blood avenger on their tail and knew that if they didn't make it to the city of refuge, 
It was very, it was vitally, it was, it was a life and death issue for them. So there may be some this morning for whom the idea of God as our Father, as a refuge, is not that important. But I venture to guess that for some of you today, this is a vitally important truth. Who needs a refuge? The person who is oppressed, the person who is troubled, the person who is weary and worn out, people who are grieving loss need a refuge, people who are worried need a refuge, people who are disappointed and heartbroken, people who are lonely and feel isolated need a refuge. I need a refuge. You need a refuge. And the good news is this. We have a refuge. Provided in God. And God's incomprehensible, irrational love for us makes it a joy for Him to offer us that place of refuge for a time. But friends, don't miss this. God provides the refuge. But our part is to seek the refuge. We must seek the refuge of God. You say, Rick, what do I do? In, in light of what this truth that you're teaching us this morning, what do I do that God is our refuge, that, that He lifts His wings? We must seek the refuge of God. It's your move. And for some of us, it's a big one and a hard one. And it goes against the grain of many of us who like to consider ourselves independent and capable and self-sufficient. The move is this. God provides the refuge, but we must move from independence, self-dependence, to dependence on God. And that involves surrender. And I believe in my heart, based on my own experiences and the experiences of many others, that surrender is where most of us fail. Surrender is the issue. We must surrender our self-sufficiency. We must surrender our independent attitudes. We must move from independence to dependence on God. Look at what the psalmist says in verse 15 of Psalm 91. He says, He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. What is the first practical step toward accessing God's refuge? It is simply this. To call out to the Father and admit that something or someone or some circumstance is chasing you down and wearing you out. It's admitting to God, being transparent enough to admit to God that unless you find a city of refuge, unless you find a hiding place, unless you find wings to crawl under, that you're done. You have to say, Lord, I can't outrun this thing. 
I can't beat this one. My only hope is for a city of refuge. And the wonderful thing about it is this. Because we live in, in and after Pentecost, these days you don't have to run to a city or a monastery to access God's refuge. You don't even have to drive to 2939 Zimmerly Road to access God's refuge. You don't need a minister or a priest to avail yourself of God's refuge. You can access the refuge of God at any moment of any day in any place. But if you want this refuge, you must surrender. And you must step away and have done with independent lifestyles and make yourself dependent on God. You've got to call out to the refuge. And Jesus promises that when we call upon him, that he will answer. And he will be with us in trouble. And he will deliver us. And he will honor us. Some of you are here this morning and you're in distress. Scripture would advise you to orient your whole life, your schedule, your relationships, your activities, around the refuge of God. And this morning, Jesus himself, the ascended Lord, spreads his wings of love and he invites you there to be protected under his mighty wings. He will never leave you. He will not forsake you. I want to close with this this morning and then we're going to pray and sing a great hymn together. The study, the focus of my study is Reformation theology. And one of the requirements of these studies is to read uh, the works of John Calvin, the Institutes of Christian Religion. If you've ever seen them, you know that it's a multi-volume work. It is deep, thick reading. But I came across something in my reading that I think speaks to exactly the point that I'm seeking to make this morning. John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, said that we, as God's children, are to look to our head, that is Jesus Christ, who is in heaven already, and this is what we are to say. Here's what Calvin said. That although I am weak, there is Jesus Christ who is powerful enough to make me stand up Although I am feeble, there is Jesus Christ who is my strength. Although I am full of miseries, Jesus Christ is in, in immortal glory, and what he has will sometime be given to me, and I shall partake of all of his benefits. Yes, the devil is called the prince of this world, but what of it? Jesus Christ holds him in check. For he is king of heaven and earth. There are devils above us in the air who make war against us. But what of it? Jesus Christ rules above, having entire control of the battle. Thus we need not doubt that he gives us the victory. I am here subject to many changes, which may cause me to lose courage. But what of it? 
The Son of God is my head. He is exempt from all change. I must then take confidence in Him. He is our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our God. And it's in Him today that I trust. Despite the circumstances, despite the trouble, despite the fact that you're being chased down, despite the fact that you feel like you're losing the battle, despite the fact that you're about ready to give up, Jesus is lifting his wings and saying, Come and hide. Be protected. Gain courage. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Like a mother hen, he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving Father, thank you for the, the beautiful images that this particular psalm emphasizes our security in you, that you are our refuge, you are our strength, our fortress. You're the God in whom we can trust. That we can live our lives under the and in the shadow of the Almighty. That, that we can be under your wings. That we can run to the city of refuge. That you will give your angels charge concerning us. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow all of that divine strength and security that you surround us with that you will allow that to come into our hearts and give us peace beyond comprehension in our spirit. That despite what we may be going through, that Lord, today, in this hour of sanctuary, we pray, Lord, that we would call on you and move away from a life of independence and self-sufficiency and that we would move toward a life of depending on you, our refuge and our fortune. Not only in this hour, but this day and every day throughout this week. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name.